Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And there's plenty to come in the next hour. We'll speak live to England's newest cap, fast bowler Richard Gleeson, reflecting on his dream debut in the recent T20 series against India. And we'll look ahead to T20 Blast Finals Day. Hampshire opening batter Ben McDermott will join us to talk about his Blast campaign so far and Hampshire's and discuss their chances at Edgebaston on Saturday. And we'll also discuss the job that Chris Silverwood has done with Sri Lanka after they beat Australia in the second test to draw that series 1-1. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. So Josh Butler loses his first series as uh, the new permanent white ball captain, going down 2-1 to India. Uh, A lot of people have asked me... Harmy, uh, whether this is signalling a demise <laughs> in, in England's white ball form. Um, and I, I try to keep a straight face and I say, well, no, there are quite a few factors which don't, they don't make the result irrelevant um, by any means. You know, lots of new faces, lots of experimentation, some familiar faces as well. But to, to my mind, um, the results are, you know, as close to insignificant as, as you can get in T20 international cricket. Yeah, it just just seems to be a money making thing that bumps up the coffers, and we're happy that we'll we'll get three games against the powerhouse of India. I don't think we can take too much notice of it, even if we had beat this great India side three nil. The batting stocks for me, I'm not too worried about. You add uh, a Bairstow and a Stokes into that group, I think England are a very very strong, formidable batting unit. Bowling worries me. Bowling worries me big time. Um, and players not being fit. Because I think it, it, we're, in, we're now going to get into the sort of... We're now getting close to the business time of having plans ready for Australia. The biggest two names we've got to make sure are fit aren't fast bowlers, they're our spin bowlers, and Mo and Ali and, and, and Adil Rashid. Because I think what we've shown in this series so far is our, our spin bowling options against good sides aren't as big... It's not a bigger pool. Um, with no Adil Rashid, I thought Parkinson was, wasn't... As, as good as what a lot of people are expecting them to be. I, I don't think Moen and, and Liam Livingston bowled as well as, you know, they've got to remember we're playing against India, but the bowling, the seam bowling side, you know, we've, we give a debut to Richard Gleeson, who did brilliantly at 34-year-old, but when you look down the rest of it, you think, if there's no Wood, there's no Archer, no Saki Mahmood, then there's a lot of these fluffed their lines. Topley's had a chance, Curran's had a chance. I thought Jordan was very, very good in this series, but he had a chance in, in the Caribbean. Even Saki Mahmood in the Caribbean fluffed his lines a little bit. So there's nobody really standing there and going, this is my spot. I'm going to bowl four overs for England in T20 cricket other than the two spinners. 
Okay, um, we'll hear from Richard Gleeson. He joins us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but first of all, Joss Butler as captain. I don't think anybody had any doubts at all that he was the right man for the job. And not surprisingly, new coach Matthew Mott told Sky that he had stepped perfectly into the role. He obviously knows it's a tough act to follow, one of you know, the great leaders in cricket of all time. So he'll find his way. I think uh, the two of us get on very well. We've got a good rapport. We're already sort of building stuff and asking a lot of questions of each other. So that'll take time, but we're, we, you know, we're getting there and, it, and it's been fun to start. That's Matthew Mott uh, just confirming that uh, Josh Butler is every bit the captain that people thought they would. So he would be. Um, just before we speak to Richard Gleeson, Virat Kohli. <laughs> Virat Kohli, um, discuss, Hami. It's interesting. There's a lot of people saying he needs a break. And I, I don't know. I think Virat would be the only one that can tell you that if he needs a break for a, a prolonged period of time. But it's how long does he come out for? You've got to remember, he's getting on a bit. I've seen actually quite a few of... You know, our Indian friends, our Indian supporters, people that listen to us from, from India on the following on feed, who are picking their World T20 sides with Virat not in it, which, how? Just I just look at it and go, how? How how can you possibly have an Indian side without Virat Kohli in if he wants to play? It's like saying we're not going to have Sachin Tendulkar. It's just, it's just not going to happen. The guy is class. Unfortunately, he's not, he's not performing at the minute. And I think he's trying to belt his way out of trouble. I think he's he's going down the aggressive route as opposed to you know digging himself in and you know getting a, an an ugly fifty if you like and if if somebody like Virat can get an ugly fifty in twenty twenty cricket, he seems as though he wants to to sort of belt his way out of trouble. The one thing he hasn't lost is the enthusiasm for the for the fight in the game. We've seen it throughout the Test matches. He was up for that fight, and we've seen it throughout these three T twenties a countless number of times. He's having to go back at the crowd and he's having to go at the, the game. Yeah, he's, he's heads in the game which is a good thing from an Indian point of view. And he's class. You know, and the class is permanent and he will come he will come good. And the worrying thing for, for the other what, nine, ten, twelve teams, whatever is in that world T twenty, is that he's gonna come good at some point and he possibly could come good about October, November time. And if he does, well that might just tip the balance into India's favour for winning the tournament. Because he is he's he is a class class performer and if he keeps it for the for the for the World T20, then I think other teams are in trouble. He'll turn 34 during uh, the World T20, so uh, he's got he's not that old. Right, delighted to say that uh, we're joined live now by England's newest cap, Richard Gleeson. He must have thought international cricket was uh, a piece of cake. After eight balls of it, he had Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli, and Rishabh Pant in his pocket. Um, Richard, uh, I mean, I I, I know that. It's a hard game and it's been a hard road for you, but what a start. Yeah, I think I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> three, <laughs> three massive names in Indian cricket, so uh, a great start and hopefully it can continue. Richard, when did you get any sort of inkling that you were going to be involved, not just in that game, but in the squad in general? Because there's a lot of talk about were well, you bowling in the Roses game and obviously Joss as captain. When did when did that sort of materialise and you you were sort of hearing noises that oh, I might be in this one day this, this twenty twenty squad? I didn't have it on my radar at all, to be honest. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just happy to be out there and playing for Lanks and and being involved and back out on the pitch. And now I was stood in my kitchen and I got a text message from uh, from Motti saying I'm I'm about to ring you. <laughs> I think that was that was when it yeah actually I just said to my wife I said I think I'm about to get picked for England and. Two minutes later, the phone rang and I, and I got the news. But it was completely out of the blue for me. It wasn't something that was on my radar. It was, yeah, it was a, a very nice surprise. It's amazing because you hear all these stories now, and amazing like mobile phones technology that can send you a text message to pre-warn you. Because I think the selector or the coach or now will be like, "Well, I'm going to ring him, and he's going to tell me to go and do one, and then I'm going to have to ring him again, and then he's going to tell me somebody in the dressing room is winding him up. He's going to do one." So that that call must obviously the way it works now. That call must just be, it's it's a great feeling. But what was it like walking out for the first time? You know, you you in with some you know, unbelievable stellar names on, not just on your team, but when you look across the other other aisle, it's they couldn't get in any bigger than playing India. No, I think they are they are the boys to beat, aren't they? Obviously, you've got the IPL as well, so they've got a lot of depth, a lot of big names. But to be honest, walking out, I, I felt. A little bit less nervous than I normally do. I think it was the air of 
no expectation on me really a bit unknown and just go out there I've been in quite good form so I took quite a lot of confidence from that so yeah it was just embrace it enjoy the moment uh, take it all in and just go out and see if I was good enough makes me smile when people describe uh, your story as a fairy tale I keep thinking the man's 34 years old he's got the scars uh, to prove how long the journey has been um, and uh, and how tough it has been to get there but, uh, you know, I, I have to say, um, I wasn't expecting you to be bowling at 90 miles an hour. Um, I didn't know that that was your your regular speed, or was that just a, a shot of adrenaline? Uh, no, I, I, can, I can get it up there. Um, it's not all the time, but, but when I click, yeah, I do, I do tend to hit the, the high 80s and sometimes touch 90. I remember my first, my first appearance on TV, and uh, I think it came up at the bottom saying, medium pace bowler so they <laughs> said oh, I probably bowl a few cutters and a little bit of this and it was Mike after I ran in first ball clocked 89 and uh, they had a little chuckle and said yeah maybe, maybe a little bit quicker than, than medium but I think that's something that's that's helped me this year spent a lot of time working trying to get back to fitness and that was a big element I think if you can bowl fast your, your margin for error is that that little bit bigger um, so it's something I really worked on. He's trying to trying to get strong in the right areas to do that. You would have a different perspective on the game to uh, a 24 year old on debut uh, at the age of 34. As I said, it's, um, I'm trying to get you to talk about this the, the journey that you've had to get to where you are today. Yeah, it's been a, a very different story to a lot of people. I never did any any age group stuff growing up. Uh, no county age groups, and I played some minor counties when I was about 23. 324 that's when I first started there did quite well and got picked up by North Ants through James Middlebrook who's now an umpire he was playing for Bedfordshire and he said listen I think you've got something uh they just signed Ben Sanderson uh, on a similar deal played a couple of games in the twos did all right a couple of five first and they said oh you're gonna play against Australia next week um <laughs> so my first ball in first class cricket was stood at the uh uh, facing up to Pat Cummins as he was trying to make his way into the Aussie team. So that was a, <laughs> a daunting experience. Everything's kind of just been thrown in the deep end. And then played the next year on a pay-as-you-play for North Ants, first on the scene with white ball cricket there in the T20s and uh, signed there, a pro contract, and then moved, moved back home to Lanx two years later. It's, it has been a, a strange route in, but I'll take anything I can get. Yeah, and, and you are preparing and... You know, up until this blast series, you've been preparing for life after cricket. And what was that until? Yeah, so I've there was a lot of unknowns around my injury. Last year, I tried to play with my back healed about 70% um, with the stress fracture I had. And they were fine for me to do that, try and build up. I really struggled with it. So back end of the season, there was a lot of unknown. I had a scan in December and that was really the, the make or break time, really. What what that scan read would, would decide what had happened. So... I had um, my contract expired in at the end of the season, so I had two months unemployed, twiddling my thumbs. So I, uh, I took up a role with my high school college, uh, coaching on a BTEC course that's specific to cricket. I was three days a week, so I, if something did come with lanks uh, and I could carry on playing, that gave me the flexibility to do a little bit of both and just have something as a bit of a backup plan, really, just to just to tie me over and pay the mortgage and keep me ticking over and you go from there potentially now to putting that on a little bit of back burner and seeing if you can take your books to Australia because I think I personally think you've you've got a great chance of you know the the back end of this summer but also because I think you've got something that England haven't really had in a while and somebody that executes that sort of death bowl and well and the Yorker well it's it's not gone out of the game I, I keep shouting at the TV and I and I see young kids trying to bowl slow ball bouncers and trying to bowl cutters and this, that and the other. And I'm thinking, if the ball is close to that white line, you've got, you know, there's, there's not much chance of hitting it for six. And you execute it that well that you're getting picked for England now. Can you dare look at potentially going to Australia in the World T20? Uh, I'll take every, every day as it comes. There's another, <laughs> another series against uh, South Africa coming up. I'm just hopeful to try and get another go. And yeah, if, if that comes and I get picked to go to the World Cup in Oz, then then brilliant. But just keep trying to get out on the park and play cricket for as much as I can. Like you say, the Yorkers are a massive part of part of the game. And I think there's probably now batters are a little bit better at hitting it if you miss. But um I think there was one of one of the Indians in the IPL 
and he was going at I think around sixes at the death, uh, compared to everybody else going around nines, tens. And I, I just asked the analyst at Lanx, "What's he doing different?" And all he said was, "He's bowling more Yorkers and he's executing more Yorkers." Mm. So it was something leading into the blast this year. It's something that's been a strength of mine in the past. So I just uh, made sure that was a real big part of my of my practice and uh, to make sure I was ready for the start of the blast season. Been a source of frustration uh, over the years when selectors always ask this question about well about age and uh, you know well uh, can we get two or three or four years out of him and they're always looking ahead to something looking ahead to something now that uh, the new future tours program suggests we're going to have a World Cup every year um, uh, an ICC event every year surely more and more <laughs> I expect you you to agree with this but um, surely more and more you should age should just be an irrelevance I mean you you pick a squad. You pick the form players to to win a tournament, and there's going to be one a year. Yeah, I think I think international cricket is meant to be the highest stage, isn't it? And at the minute, the white ball team's on a high, so I think you've got to pick your best team that's going to try and win win trophies. Uh, if you're in a rebuild phase, then maybe maybe you go slightly different and look for some youth and guys that are going to come through. But they're right at the top of the game in that in that white ball setup at the minute. So if there's an opportunity. I think you've got to go with with form over anything. Uh, so yeah, I do kind of agree on that <laughs> on that side of things. No, no, just to jump in, I think you're right, Manners. I think not just the World Cup. I think bowling, especially. I don't know what you think, Richard, but I think batters are, are set because you know you, you the, the what the game's like. But I think bowlers, I think you have to go with form because there's a lot there's a lot more unknowns when it comes to bowling. People are out of form. That could be the difference between 15 runs on their four overs. Also, you know, the injury side of it, if a bowler gets injured, you can't sort of predict like you can with a batting unit. And I think having players in form, and I think I think you're the same as Matt Potts with when it comes to the, the Red Bull team, that you, you probably didn't think England were anywhere near on your radar. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We get a lot of injuries. You go in, you nail it, and... All of a sudden, like you mentioned before, Manners, people will say the depth of English cricket is not that big. I actually disagree. I think there's a lot of good players out there and they just sometimes don't get the chance. And because of injuries and, and bowlers being not fit, we, we find them people that actually can play cricket and play at the highest level and play under pressure. And that's something that Potts, Matt Potts has done in, in Red Bull. You know, Richard, you've done in, in White Ball. And sometimes the the older, I don't know what you think, Richard, but the older you are, I think the less nervous you get when you get dropped into the big stage. Yeah, I think I think you're probably a little bit more more set when you're a little bit older. It's less, maybe less scary. I don't know. I think when I came into the game and I was a little bit older, it wasn't the be-all and end-all because I had a career. I think that definitely helped me. But I think form is a massive part of it. Like you say, especially with bowlers, if you're coming in and, and you're on fire, you, you back your skills, you back what you've been doing well. Whereas if if you have to go through the process, all right, you can't pick him because he's not been on the Lions or he doesn't have experience in this format or or whatever it may be in certain conditions. But if you go on form, people are going to back what they do. Whereas if, if you're not on form and you're trying to search a little bit, getting thrown into the highest level, that's just going to add even more pressure on. So I, I definitely think form is a big one that, that does need to be considered a little bit more. Final question, uh, Richard, on um, finals day. Now, despite rescheduling, it, uh, it's still a, uh, one of the biggest days in, in the summer. Um, and uh, with, the, with the Bears and Surrey being knocked out in the quarterfinals, a lot of people making Lancashire the favourites. We'll see, won't we? We'll see on Saturday. What's <laughs> the best team, best team will come out? We're just going to turn up and try and try and play the way we've been playing all season. We, you have your ups and downs in, in T20 cricket. That's the way it goes. Obviously, we've got a few guys out. But people have been performing all the way through. We've had Stephen Croft, another stalwart of uh, Lancashire cricket. He's whacking it all over the place at the minute. Uh, Dane Villas, um, Luke Wood. You know, we've got these guys that have, that have come in. Uh, Luke Wells, even he's come in and done a different role. So we're just going to go out there and try and put put a performance in. What about Crofty? What was it? What was the stat we seen the other day? Two hundred and two hundred and thirty or something continuous games in in T Twenty cricket. Man is a machine, and again with the likes, you're probably not going to have. I don't know what the if the rules have been set yet or who gets released or not. But you know Parkinson, no, you'll not get Joss, but you'll not get Livingston and potentially Phil Salt. There's some unbelievable hitters there that that 
that you're not going to have. I know Yorkshire will be without a couple as well, but Crofty, he's been brilliant for Lancashire, hasn't he? and I think it was I think it was Harry Gurney was on commentary saying about Crofty and someone like Samet Patel, over 200 not appearances consecutive. It, it, there are amazing performers in this format of the game. Yeah, really uh, cool-headed as well, calm uh, in the big situations. Doesn't adds a lot to the dressing room, a lot of experience, and he's he's just getting better and better. I mean, I think he scored 500 runs in in June alone, um, so he's been. He's been on some real good form. Hopefully, he can carry that into Saturday. But he's been there before. He's, you know, he knows what it's about, um, and a, a real great asset to have for the Lanks. And hopefully, long may that continue. Richard, enjoy Finals Day. Um, it's a great occasion. Um, and most of all, stay strong and stay healthy. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Let's have a look back at the T20 Blast quarterfinals. Starting with, um, my goodness me, Yorkshire Vikings beating Surrey by one run. Surrey needed five off the last over. Apologies to all Surrey supporters. I know that this is going to hurt. And you might want to, if you're listening to the podcast, just fast forward for the next uh, three minutes because we're going to look back at a most extraordinary game of cricket. Jordan Thompson defending five off the last over. Quite unbelievable. And that is the kind of result. Harmy, we often say, well, you move on, you move on, you win some, you lose some. But that's the kind of result and the nature of the result that leaves deep scars that last. It do last, and they last for a long, long time. Our cricket, cricket editor, John Norman, I've spoke to him about it, and he is still <laughs> devastated. I, don't, I actually don't think... I think I got more than three minutes off the off. I don't even think he got the whole lot of it off his chest when he uh, when he described it, how he was feeling it to me. And it's yeah, there'll be a lot of Surrey members wondering how they lost it. Fantastic by Young Thompson to stay in the game. I thought Revis's bowl, he's over um, the penultimate over. Apart from the last ball that went for six, was a was a phenomenal over to keep Yorkshire in the game. And bowlers win your matches if uh, if they hold their nerve and you know put put the batsman under pressure. And I think Surrey had lost the game twice. Then I basically shook hands after about fifteen overs <laughs> when they had won the game when when Overton and, and Laurie Evans were going well. And then all of a sudden they, they they seemed to sort of give the victory back to Yorkshire. It was a, a fascinating game of cricket. I thought it was on a poor pitch. I really did. I thought it was a poor pitch, poor oval pitch. Um, and that's the only, the only sort of downside I'd say about that that fixture because I think what was the fifteen thousand, fourteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand for a game which was what forty eight hours to sell the tickets. Surrey normally get round about twenty thousand on a Friday night, so a great effort from Surrey. Um, the only disappointment was the surface they played on, but it made for a very very good spectacle. Jordan Thompson, twenty five years old. And, look, you need luck, don't you? I mean, you need luck to defend five off and over, particularly the last over of a game. But um, he's... What, what do we know about Jordan Thompson and where did that over come from? Yeah, he's been bowling, opening a bowling in four-day four cricket as well as, as white ball cricket. He's the only one that wasn't there when when I was there for that month at the start of... In January, before Otis Gibson came in to take over the reins. Uh, when Darren Goff took over from and took over as as a director of cricket, Jordan Thompson was in Hobart, I think, at the time, with the Hurricanes, and then he did a bit with the the, the PSL, and I think he's had a go in the Bangladesh and stuff like that. He's a talented boy. He's got he's got a lot of good qualities when it comes to you know the all round game, batting and bowling, and he's got a bit of Yorkshire grit in him and determination. I mean, you've seen that it came out in the last over. Um, but I thought I thought all in all, I thought Yorkshire, if you hang in there. You know, there's somebody's going to crack under pressure, and unfortunately, Surrey cracked under the pressure of of, the, of that last over because it was an exceptional last over. But the modern day, the way the bats are, you should be able to get five off the last over. No, no matter whether it's two new batsmen in or two set batsmen, could you say it was a bottle job by Surrey? Possibly, but I think they'll they'll be sitting there. And I've said it many, many times about games in my career where I've gone. How on earth did we lose that game? One game, especially at the Oval Champions Trophy final, 2004 against the West Indies. I still, I still have nightmares about that and think, how on earth did I lose that final? Rudy Cutson didn't help us with an LB or Freddie, but we'll, <laughs> I, I, I'm still not, I'm still not over it as you can, as you, And I think this will 
this will haunt bats and a few of the, the Surrey players for, for years to come and say, how on earth did we not get to finals there? There's been a lot of uh, talk about the amount of um, change and innovation and creativity in the Surrey lineup um, throughout the tournament. But, you know, I keep pointing out to people, do you realise how many people have, have been missing the, for England call-ups and, uh, and with injuries? And, and so Tom Curran came out about at number three. Um, Gareth Buddy, of course, um, uh, the coach, has been unafraid of um, a little bit of experimentation. And, of course, Tom Top scored. But being that dominant in the group stage and then to lose in the quarterfinals, uh, I guess uh, there will, people, people will say, what, what was he doing specula- or you know, experimenting in, in the quarterfinal? Maybe it was a time just to go with your best 11. I think I don't think Pat's had any other choice, did he? Um, when it comes to it, I think Overton and... I think the surface didn't help for the likes of Overton and you know hit the ball into the pitch. It didn't it, that that surface wasn't there for for Big Jamie. Um, he didn't get a ball. He didn't bowl a ball. Tom Curran didn't bowl a ball. I, actually, when I when I look at it, I think both sides were a lot of needs must. I'm sure both Alex Stewart, Darren Goff, directors of cricket, would have been at Rob Key saying, "Why on earth are why on earth are the players not available?" We are, why are not? Why are they not available? It's a quarter-final of the Blast. It is a big. It's a, it should be a flagship competition, but we know the ECB aren't interested in it. This should have been England players should have been made available. You know, when you've got a quarter-final like this, especially probably the two of the biggest counties in the country when it comes to producing England players are Yorkshire and Surrey. And when I look down the list, can you imagine what the quarter-final would look like if Jason Roy had played with Sam Curran? Chris Jordan, Reese Topley, on top of that. Tom Curran wouldn't have batted three then. And then if you look at the other side, I know David Willey drove up. I, I actually, I look at it, I'm, I'm, I applaud David Willey, I really do, because he's not with Yorkshire anymore at the end of this season. He's gone back to Northampton, and he he was captain, and he decided that, no, this is my team. You know, me and Gibbo, of, me and Otis Gibson, have put his good, good run of, performances together to get us to the quarterfinal, I think I should play for, for Yorkshire. So I'm going to drive back up and, and play. But it was quite ironic when you looked at it. He had Harry Brooks' shirt on. So was he just telling the world that he thought, as captain, Harry Brooks should have been allowed to come and play with him not being a centrally contracted player from from the ECB? So there might have been something in that from David Willey, or was it just a an accident that he didn't take his kit and he took somebody else's a kit. A laundry error. A laundry error. It was just interesting that the actual shirt selection, <laughs> which I thought was was quite interesting and quite ironic. So, and if you looked at the if you look at the the Yorkshire side, the Yorkshire side could have had Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Harry Brook. Dave, he had David Willey and David Milanian. What a quarter final that would have been if the Surrey boys were allowed to play, the England boys were allowed to play at the Oval. Yeah, I know the pitch wasn't great, but what a game we would have had. I think it just shows and tells you everything that what the ECB are thinking of the the blast when they're not when they haven't allowed the players to come back. And I'd be amazed if they let the players come back for the finals day as well. And you could have you could potentially have four Lancashire players, England players playing against four Yorkshire England players playing. You could let them come back and play, but if it was a hundred, they might have come back. Okay, well, um, Lancashire beat Essex by seven wickets, and uh, I'm sure that every cricket fan um, will have uh, noticed that uh, Salt stumped Pepper, and uh, (laughs) Pepper played a part in Salt's dismissal, which is one of the highlights of the season, or seasoning. um, The seasoning, very good manners. Yeah, I played Uh, with with onions and mustard, so there was was always a lot of onions and mustard. Okay, let's move on to Somerset. Thrashing Derbyshire by 191 runs, a record victory and a record total of 265 for five. The eighth highest score in the history of domestic T20 cricket, the highest in the blast. Um, Tom Banton, 73 off 41. Tom La- uh, uh, Lamanby's 31 off nine balls. Nine balls, yeah. And, um, and uh, Riley Rousseau, 34 runs off and over, five sixes and a four. And in that total of 265 for five, George Scrimshaw took two for 16 off four mm. overs. Yeah, I got asked about George Scrimshaw a few days ago. Ian Bell asked me, and I was sitting next to him. We had a we had a few drinks at Edgebaston last Friday and Saturday working at a test match. And 
he asked me about if I'd seen much of him. I hadn't. I hadn't, and I haven't seen enough of George Grimshaw to to have yeah you know, a huge opinion on him just yet. Um, but what I seen the other night, I actually quite enjoyed. The, the kid's got something. He's got a bit about him, uh, and he bowled. He bowled beautifully. He he did. He really did. Two for sixteen when. The world is going. The world is going crazy around you. Some of the shots that were played, Tom Banton reverse sweep six was unbelievable. It was this boy. That that boy's got talent. Lamanby's got talent. The players that are at Somerset, they've got some talented, talented players, and it's going to make for a good finals day because Hampshire against Hampshire against Somerset will be a, a good finals day. And the evergreen Peter Siddle, he didn't disappoint either. We're, we're three for ten, but Riley Rousseau must be seeing it like an absolute absolute beach ball at this minute in time it's just I would not like to bowl at him in a minute spare a thought for Derbyshire right because I think what they're doing down there are brilliant things Mickey Arthur's doing a great job down there overseas have contributed you know they're bringing some good young players in I see likes of Scrimshaw who who looks as though he's got a promising future? They got beat. They got well beat, and the, it was it was quite embarrassing how what the end total was 191 runs, but they qualified for the quarterfinals of T20. Knots didn't with their All Star team. You know, one or two others didn't with with All Star team. So you know, fair play to Derbyshire for getting that far. Just unfortunately, on the big game and the big stage. Somerset which is too good. I'm back onto my football analogies now. I can't remember whether it was in the last uh, Premier League season or the one before that, but I remember Southampton playing some really good football and uh, putting some good results together then they turned up one day, got beat 9-0. 9-0, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. But actually, the following season, they got beat 9-0 of the same team as well. So, oh. I mean, that's just a little bit what it's like for, for Derbyshire. But Mickey Arthur has really turned things around there. And it was interesting afterwards that he did call for the, for the T20 blast to, to be ring-fenced and treated with the respect yeah. that he believes that um, it deserves. And, you know, he said it was unacceptable for the blast to be so disrespected with England's biggest players unavailable and we all know that they will be available for the 100 for the most yeah, part yeah it's that's that's you spot on exactly. do you know what it's amazing when people that have played the game or been around the game for so long speak it's, it's a wonder when you think oh they speak common sense why do we not ask these people Mickey Arthur's he's coached five or six international cricket teams you you, get, you talk to a lot of people who have played the game in this country for over 20 years and they're they're all saying the same thing there's nothing really too much wrong with the blast we've got this elephant in the room which is which is not killing English cricket but it's hampering English cricket's domestic schedule as well as international schedule and it's blokes in suits trying to make money and trying to reinvent a wheel which didn't need to be reinvented and what do we get? we get what we're getting at this minute in time we're all fighting for it I looked and, I, and I've said it a couple of times now. I think the good people of cricket, the good cricket family, have rallied round the blast this year. They really do. The, the, the looks as though there's a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot more quality in it. And I just wonder if that people have gone to support it. We've had four quarterfinals, which had a lot of people at, at a short, short notice. 72 hours to, to, to sort of get your marketing team to get tickets out there to get sales. You know, there was there was a lot. There was 15,000, I think, at, at, at Lancashire, I think, 14,000, 15,000 um, at the Oval. Same at Birmingham. Not quite as much, I don't think, at Birmingham. That was after a test match as well. That tells you that the blast is not dying. Finals day at the weekend will be massive. Uh, I just wish the blokes in suits would listen to people who have played the game and been around the game rather than trying to reinvent the wheel and try and make far too much money or try and change things that weren't broken. Or maybe but, just turn up at one of those games and see how popular they are. Exactly, or just turn up and just let, let the game flow and let the game go. Do you know what I mean? The, the encouraging thing of English cricket so far this season is that it's been enjoyable Well, from a test point of view. Well, the blast's been enjoyable and I think people have come out to watch it and seen that. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up in part three, we'll continue looking back to the uh, T20 Blast quarterfinals as we speak live to Hampshire's overseas wicketkeeper batter Ben McDermott. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. 
Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, as always, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Delighted to say, as promised, Ben McDermott joins us now to talk about uh, Hampshire's form and uh, reaching finals day, uh, always a, a huge achievement at the end of such a, a long tournament. Um, ben, fair to say that, well, Hampshire certainly made a slow start. I'm not so sure that your start was as racing as you would have liked it to be. You lost the first four games and uh, and <laughs> people um, imagining that this competition is a sprint rather than a marathon, which is what it really is. It's turned out pretty well, hasn't it? <laughs> It sure has, mate. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Like you said, it, it was it wasn't the greatest start from us. I think we were nine, nine and four, and and now we're you know ten and ten from eleven, which is <laughs> out from after those sort of four games. So yeah, it was a it was a serious comeback from us. I think we're playing some really good cricket, and to show that we've knocked the top side of the North Group out is is uh, a, a fair statement of where this group's at the moment. So hopefully we can you know keep going and and you know win two more. That, that, that's the, that's the aim is to is to bring trophies back to the club. So hopefully we can. We can do just that and um, keep this form going on for a couple more couple more games. And what was the change, Ben? Because it's it's like this when you talk to people about T Twenty cricket or you talk about four day cricket, all the different disciplines in the game. I suppose in in Twenty Twenty cricket, even just a simple simple shot, simple good shot, could get you into a little bit of form and get the momentum flowing. What what can you put your finger on that change for Hampshire to have that start that was pretty poor to then transform you now into finals day? Yeah, mate, I'm scratching my head as as you ask that question. I, I I don't know. It's just a matter of picking at the right time, and it, it's T20 cricket at the end of the day. It's it's going to come off. It's not going to come off another day. As I sort of said, is is Birmingham played so well through the group stages, and for us to beat them by 104 runs is it's probably it's not reflected on how they're playing at the moment. Which it, it's just the game uh, we, we we live in. So I, I think we've just played positive cricket throughout. We've we've not really taken a backward step, and you know it it certainly helps when you've got a man like James Vince in form, he's probably one of the best in the country at the moment playing for us. So he's he's obviously scored a 650 plus in a, in a tournament and he missed the game as well. So, you know, it, it, it comes down to, to those match-winning performances. So we've had Fuller, who's done really well as well, and, and, and guys just chip in where they needed to. So, yeah, but but I'd say it's, it's come down to just, just playing positive cricket and not, not taking that backwards step. We could have easily just sort of got in and... and, and you know the top four batters have you know nerdled around and, and tried to work their way into a bit of form. That hasn't hasn't happened for us. We've just sort of kept going and and um, kept being positive and, and trying to trying to take the game forward and, and play that play that aggressive style of cricket that we, we know that that wins games. So um, and and to help, we've we've probably got some of the best economical bowlers in in the competition, as um, stats would would show as well. That's interesting. My next question was actually going to be about this old-fashioned view that in one-day cricket, being in a final or being in a semi-final was worth, you know, 20 runs or you could afford, if you were batting first, to post a competitive score because the scoreboard pressure of being in a final was always worth, you know, 20 runs. That was more 50 over cricket. So um, with you being the overseas player and an opening batter, are you not going to feel that extra little bit of pressure on finals day? Are you still going to go at 100 miles an hour from the, from the off? 
No, for sure. Like like I sort of said before, it's 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 when you get in trouble is is when you sort of take a few balls away from the guys. Like we've we've got batters that bat there. We've got Liam Dawson batting at eight some games. I, I don't know what side we're going to come into with the final. I, I dare say to be pretty similar. So we got you know Foz Foz coming at six or seven. Um, Liam Dawson just after that. You know you you don't have the time to just sort of feel your way into it. You've you've sort of got to go at hundred miles an hour um, on the on the day. And and then you know Tom Prest at three, Joe Weatherly. Uh, Ross Whiteley, they're all capable guys of taking a game away from you. So um, you can't be wasting their time. You, you've, you've got to come out and, and play positive cricket from ball one. And how have you found the blast? There's a lot of talk in this country about the 100 and how it's been prioritised. And, you know, I, I must admit, I'm not a huge fan of, of the 100 for what it's done to the rest of the rest of the cricket calendar in this country. Um, but from an overseas player coming in for the first time, how... You know, what, oh, how you found the the blast? Because I've I've looked at this quarter final and at a, a twenty four hour, forty eight hour, seventy two hour notice, there was a lot of people, a lot of these games in the quarter final, and it seems as though there's there's still an appetite for the the, the blast cricket as well as the hundred. Oh mate, I'm sure that the blast is still well and truly alive. T Twenty is not going anywhere, and has I don't see it going anywhere in a long time. But as for the hundred, it's it's a really exciting prospect for a domestic cricketer in. In, in England, um, but I, I can see why some people, you know, don't really like it. It's it's um, does make you cram a lot of games in pretty quickly. Um, this this tournament's been very very congested. You know, we've we've played a lot of back to back games, and and if we haven't played a back to back game, it's you know two days break, or you know the guys are going out there and, and while whilst I'm watching at the moment, it, the guys are a day one of a four day game. You know, so it's a it's a pretty heavy schedule. Um, all all for the for the hundred, I, I suppose, but um, it's um, it's created a lot of lot of atmosphere, and, and you know the crowds seem to to really like it. You know, the hundred was a great spectacle last year, just from a spectator's point of view. I, I love watching it, so you know it's it's a really exciting time to be to be domestic cricketer in England for sure. Nathan Ellis has uh, been a very useful acquisition as well for Hampshire, hasn't he? He sure has, mate. Yeah, he's uh, one of my close mates as well. So it's been great to see him do do really well for us. He's, he's struggled a little bit with with um with little niggles here and there and just to see him just come through and, 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 and try and get on the park for us and do really well. As I said before, he, he, we've got some of the, some of the most economical or the best um, economical bowlers to the, towards the death end and um, the power play bowlers as well has, has been really cheap. So we're really happy to have him and he, he's doing really well in terms of, you know, I think he's going at seven runs and over. So that's a, that's a really, Really good aspect for us, and, and hopefully can continue on that for the for the next couple of games. Uh, ben, I'm just going to indulge myself a little bit here and uh, ask about the McDermott family because as a very young broadcaster at the beginning of my career, I was obsessed with your old man Billy um, Craig McDermott, <laughs> 291 Test wickets, and of course um, your older brother Ali became a fast bowler very much in your dad's mould. He doesn't play anymore now, does he? But how how are the two of them going, and how did you end up as a wicketkeeper batter? <laughs> I, you know, I always say that someone's got to do it. You know, I've got to, I've got to stand behind the stumps while those two go at it in the backyard. <laughs> but um, no, he, he, they're going really well. Obviously, Ali's, yeah, Ali's finished playing now. He's, he's unfortunate to have to have a few injuries, um, the broken wrist. He broke his wrist, and then he sort of come back from that and had a had an undiagnosed um, back problem that, but he just could never come back from. So he's finished, and and yeah, Dad's going really well as well. He's Brad Yorkshireman as well, so he was one of their, <laughs> one of their overseas, and um, yeah, he was he was keen for me to get up there, but uh, not to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goffey's looking for a batsman wicketkeeper, but I think he's looking for for more of an English batsman wicketkeeper that can play in, in all formats. But you never know. I'll tell Goffey that you you're keen to go back to where your your dad felt comfortable in England. What about finals, dear? Then <laughs> you've got Somerset. You can't, but had eyes. I know you've played them in in the, in the group stages, but what a score that was! Two hundred and sixty-five for five. It was ridiculous. Um, what plans do you do you feel as though since though you've you've played them before? Is it a good thing you've played them before going into the big game? Yeah, I think we've played them a couple of times. We uh, we lost to them here uh, at our place, and we beat them at their place. So um we're, we're going to do what we've 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 done every game is, is analyze them the day of the game keep it fresh in the mind on saturday morning i'd, I'd say or potentially friday I'd, i'm not sure yet but you know we'll, we'll go through all their players pretty thoroughly really and 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 come up with some good plans you know 260 260 odd 265 i think it was <laughs> um you know that's that's hard to look past 
that was that was incredible. I watched it last night, and um, Riley's obviously seeing him um, really well. But equally, you know, James Vince is, is seeing him just as well. Um, you know, I think we, we match up to them really well. So hopefully, hopefully we can get one of them on the night. Like like I said, we, T20 is is it's so fickle. You know, Birmingham played some really good cricket. They 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 posted some really good scores themselves. But yeah, we, we bowled really well, and hopefully we can we can replicate that and, and do what we did to Birmingham to, to Somerset. Uh, ben, um, the England one-day squad and, and T20 squad, white ball squad, is incredibly difficult to get into, um, as is the Australian one. I know that Hampshire people cannot believe that James Vince isn't involved in the England squad at the moment. Uh, I think you, you probably share that view. What about your chances yeah. of, uh, of, of featuring in the T20 World Cup in Australia in a couple of months? Yeah, I can't believe he wasn't either, to be honest, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think my time will come, hopefully. You know we've got we've got a very good side at the moment. Can't really complain about about not being there at the moment. You you got the likes of David Warner, Aaron Finch, Glenn Maxwell, Steve Smith, Minus Lovishain, um, all all guys that are ahead of me at the moment. But yeah, the, the Cricket Australia were happy me, happy for me to come over here and play for Hampshire and have a good summer in England, which I haven't done yet. I'm 26, 27 years old, sorry, and I still haven't played any any sort of domestic leagues around the world with the Australian schedule being so so hectic it's 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 hard for us australian players to go to go to the psl or the, the cpl or you know all, all those leagues the t10 or those leagues that some maybe some of the english guys have the opportunity to do um so they were keen for me to come over in and expand my game and just you know get that consistency of playing cricket all year round which i wouldn't have been able to do if i was in that sri lankan squad so that's probably a mixture of, of both things is, is is getting exposure to playing and yeah, not just not quite up to it yet. So, hopefully, you know, when when those guys do decide that they're done, is you know, um, the guys at the top of the order, then then hopefully I've, I've put my name forward and and can really and nail down that spot. You said Cricket Australia were happy for you to come over. Were the Hobart Hurricanes happy to come over and share a dressing room with James Vince to hopefully get him to go back with you, <laughs> stick him in your bag, hand luggage, and get him back with you for, for obviously for the big bash next year? He'd be a good signing for, wouldn't you? Oh, mate, I think that. Any team you could possibly imagine would be would be happy to to take James Vince. He's um, he's a world class player, really. That's that's all there is to it. So I think I think he. I'm not sure whether he's in in that that draft that the overseas draft the BBL has going at the moment. Um, I think that's sort of in the process in the works. But I'm sure his name will be be floated around most BBL teams if he does decide he wants to go back there. So. But it, it will be hard to take him away from the Sixers. He's, he's, well, he's well known there and he, he's, uh, he's done very well for a number of years for the Sixers. Ben, despite all the, uh, the, the cramped schedule and the rescheduling of finals day, it is still uh, one of the great highlights of the English season. So um, we'll be watching you closely and uh, very best of luck to you in Hampshire and uh, thanks for your time. Good luck, Ben. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Cheers. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the one-time number one ranked bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Right then, Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne, all right, Labuschagne, uh, scored centuries in the first innings um, of the second test match between Sri Lanka and Australia, and everybody thought that it would be business as usual after Australia won the first test comfortably. But they got rolled. They got rolled. They lost by an innings. Uh, bowled out for 151 in the third innings. And uh, Sri Lanka produced a remarkable bowling performance with uh, Prabhat Jayasuriya taking six for 59. Extraordinary, um, really. And let's not forget that Sri Lanka won the ODI series as well against Australia. So um, their big Asian swing... Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and then India at the beginning of next year um, has just hit a significant roadblock there, you would think. Yeah, it's a huge roadblock. And fair play to Chris Silverwood. Good on Chris Silverwood because he's gone over, he's you know, gone out of his comfort zone, took over a, a job which, was, when you say the world is ending in their country, it actually nearly is because of what's happening in Sri Lanka. There's a lot of turmoil when it comes to sort of government point of view and there's a lot of fighting going on and you could easily have as a as a nation from the the Sri Lankan's point of view you could have one eye on what's happening you know with the the infighting at home and not really concentrate on on the cricket and they didn't do that Chandamal got a fantastic double hundred and it goes back to it just reminds me of going back to 2005 when we beat Australia that great series in England and then we went to we went to 
Pakistan before Christmas and then India straight after Christmas. And that really was the start of the demise of, of that good, that great England side that, that I played in. We lost Vaughan, injured. Simon Jones had gone throughout the ashes. Marcus Truscothic had his, his sort of health issues. We lost a couple of players and all of a sudden it took a while to get England back on track. Well, Australia haven't really lost any players. But you mentioned that Asian swing that they've got, Sri Lanka, Pakistan and and India, by the time the, the, the sort of the Indian one comes around, that could be a, a very, very difficult tour for some of the Austra- the Australian players. And Australia, we've got to remember as well, Manners, they haven't played a great deal of cricket away from home in the last sort of three or four years because of COVID. They didn't travel. They stayed at, they stayed firmly at home. So it's getting getting the players into the routine of playing in a different country. Is, it seems to be in a bit more of a challenge than... And I think some of the Australian selectors or management would have, have thought it was going to be. Well, afterwards, um, Australian captain Pat Cummins did not attempt to, uh, to, to rose-tint the result. We turn up knowing it's a, a pretty, well, it's a very tough place to, to win series and games over here. So, you know, to, to come away with a series draw, um, you know, with the same team that won last week, uh, we grinded out in Pakistan to come from a series win. So might be a bit of a reality check that, it's tough playing away from home. There's different conditions to what we've grown up playing in, um, and you know makes makes probably for, for more learnings than you know after a win. Pat Cummins admitting that uh, it was a, a shock um, and <laughs> to lose by an innings, uh, quite quite extraordinary. Really tough in Sri Lanka, as you mentioned, the civil unrest, um, the the lack of of fuel, basic supplies, really. All credit to Australia for for actually not even contemplating yeah. leaving. I mean, they they stayed. There were times that it it threatened to become more than civil unrest. There were times where it threatened that it become, might become a military t- type type situation. But good on them um, for for staying. Um, I think they're a little embarrassed actually about not having travelled for two years and you know having let down a number of countries and having got there. They 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 wanted to get on with the job. So well well done to them for doing that. You've been you played in a few um, hairy situations yourself, didn't you? In Pakistan and and Zimbabwe. Yeah, the the Pakistan one was was I I think it was starting to build up. I think we were there in 05 and England haven't been there since. So it was starting to build up. And then I think it was 08 when, when it actually kicked off properly when in the target, the cricket team, I think it was Sri Lanka that targeted. Um, and we were in, we were not far away from from Mumbai when the, the, the terrorist attack was on at, at the Taj. We were due to go back there. Um, and I remember going back after after we we got sent we got sent to Abu Dhabi, didn't we? Sent to Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Sat there for sort of four or five days in like a holding where and do we go back in? Do we not? There was a lot made of the senior players at the time, and there was a lot put on mine and 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 Andrew Andrew Flintoff's shoulders that if if these two don't go back, England won't go back because the the other players will be swayed by senior players. But at the, at the time, and I stick by what we said then it was. It was important that we we de- we detached the, tr- the the civil unrest to what the actual cricket was, and the cricket was important that we went back for the for the people of India, um, because the only issue was safety. And I remember having a conversation with Reg Dickinson, who great man, who basically I just looked him in the eye and said, he, "He's head of security, head of security for for England and for a few other 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 boards." And it was like, "Reg, is it safe?" And he went, "Yeah." He went, "You are safe." The minute you land into in Chennai, you are safe. Well, that's good enough for me. I'm going back. And I remember Sachin sitting in the dressing room. I didn't know where to sort of cuddle him, cry with him, or punch him on the nose when he got that <laughs> great 100 in Chennai when he knocked off 360. I was like, thank you for coming back. I'm like, we are just reeling from a defeat. And it didn't feel like a defeat. 60-odd thousand people in Chennai you know, thanking us for going back, getting cricket back on you know, on the table for for Indian people after what had happened in Mumbai and, and Sachin and a few other the Indian players saying thanks for coming back. That meant a hell of a lot to us as individuals and England as a collective unit. So while it is going on, you, you can be kept safe away from it. Um, but I think it would have been I think it would have been very very easy for the Sri Lankan players more than the Australian players to have one eye on what was happening with regards to their families and their families when it comes to the future of the, the governance of their country. 
Okay, and uh, the South Africans have arrived on English shores, and unsurprisingly, head coach Mark Boucher was asked about England's reinvention of, of Test cricket and uh, winning four Tests in a row by implementing Baz Ball. Yeah, look, I think the new style. Obviously, Brendan's coming, and and he's he's sort of we, we know how Brendan plays. Well, he played, and um, we've sort of heard the, the conversations around him. Uh, when he was coach of, of KKR as well, that he wanted to have this really aggressive style of, of, of play. So, you know, um, it's, it's exciting to watch. And, you know, I watched a lot of the games as well and, and England did, did really well. So, yes, it is probably a little bit of advantage to us in some sort of way uh, to have, have seen. And so, you know, we can expect them to come out and play the same brand of cricket that they are playing. Um, I think there are a couple of things that you need to understand as well is that you need to have the right players to, in your team to be able to do that. The conditions need to be favourable as well. Um, we've, we've come to England now, and we've every day has been hot, and it's, it's it's been fantastic weather. So the wickets have obviously flattened out quite a bit. So yes, there's certain conversations that we'll have in our dressing room to try and counteract uh, the aggressive approach. Um, you know, we we always speak about uh, having a bit of aggression, but being smart as well. So I think that's where our smartness is going to have to come to uh, come into the equation as well. So. A lot of conversations to to happen before, especially going to to red ball cricket. I think we we understand that they've been like they've been playing like that in white ball cricket for for quite some time, but there is a bit of time uh, still to to go to sum up the conditions and and see maybe the wickets even get even flatter and and maybe a bit drier as well that, that can bring spin into the equation. Um, and we feel we've got we've got uh, all those different uh, aspects uh, covered in, in in our squads. That's Mark Boucher um, echoing the thoughts of a number of other prominent players and coaches around the world um, that it won't be possible all the time, and that conditions favoured England's massive run chases. Uh, and not surprisingly, um, you will not have missed the fact that uh, Brendan McCullum is not a fan of the term "basball," and has made that quite clear. Uh, my only concern is that, like all nasty nicknames. Uh, if you say you don't like them, that's when they stick. <laughs> exactly. They do stick. I must admit, I wasn't a big fan of it when I was here, and I was like, what on earth are we going on about when it comes to that? But look, if, if it's it's a positive nickname because it's a brand of cricket that we're playing. Will we still be playing that, still be saying that and playing platitudes to the way England are playing in a year's time? Going that way, I think. I don't think they've got to rein it in. I don't think it's in their, in their nature to rein it in. I think they, can, they probably need to be a little bit smarter when it comes to getting the game set up in that fashion because the chase, they end up chasing 370 and if that had been a bit smarter, they would only have chased about 280. Um, but by, by some of the decision-making and the way they went about you know, the test matches in before that, Stuart Broad's over to Jasper Bummer's just one case in point. I was sitting there watching that and thinking, he's a number 10, he's a number 11, the stumps don't move, Stuart you've got 550 wickets, you'll knock him over. So there are there are things that, but do you know what? I think it's brilliant. The way we have gone at red ball cricket, from where we've been to where we are now, it's it's fantastic. We're talking it in a positive light. The world seems to lift it off the shoulders of all them players that are playing in white. Um, and long may that continue. And it's going to be great to see what happens when South Africa come over because they've got they've got some firepower. They've got a bowling attack, and I think you know, I don't think India's bowling attack was was right on it when it comes to all five of them. I think for three Test matches, I think Nokia, Rabada, the likes of um, Maharaj, they'll be the they're a, they've got a good bowling attack. I'm not sure who the or the Seymour would be whether it would Marco be Janssen a, Marco or Janssen or yeah, yeah. Nagiri would he be in and around that? Yep. They've got some fire power, and it will be. I think it'll be a a level up on the bowling stock wise from a test point of view. Um, but if England keep playing the way they're playing, um, I'm not going to write them off and, and say that yeah, this the, there's a bump in the road ahead at this minute in time. <laughs> I thought there was a bump in the road ahead when India came and the the, the flew over that. So, you know, hopefully that Ben and Brendan can keep the boys going. I think that South Africa series is going to be spicy. Mm. I think it's going to be really spicy. But uh, that is in six weeks' time. We've got lots of cricket to come before then. Brilliant. Thanks, Army. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and 
The great man, Steve Harmonson. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week to look back at England's ODI series against India. But that's it for now. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new TalkSport listener community. It's the place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit TalkSport.com slash dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply.